Welcome to the underground. Turn me up, bitch! My Little Underground with Peter A. It's My Little Underground. I'm Peter A. Make sure you're subscribed anywhere you get podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at MLUPod. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram as well at It's Peter underscore A. Today we have Love Honey all the way from Brooklyn to talk up their brand new EP, Victory, due out later this month. And we'll also talk about how they got to play with DMC from Run DMC over at House of Yes. We'll talk all things Black Sabbath, the Dead Weather, some great black guitar players from the past and the present, and so much more. Let's bring in Love Honey right here on My Little Underground. Tommy Alley from Love Honey, what's going on? How you doing? Hey, how are you? Hey, hey, what's up? How's it going? Pretty good. I can't complain. Like, so how are you guys dealing with being isolated from COVID? Um, I'm doing pretty well. I, I, I don't like to go outside, so this is this is nice. Uh, I think, yeah, I think with everybody, you know, it's something everyone has to get used to the aspect of, uh, you know, making sure that they have on, you know, gloves and masks and all the time and keeping, you know, doing that type of stuff, you know, but, you know, once you get into the swing of that, at least once I've gotten into the swing of doing that and that being like a kind of the new norm, at least for right now, it's, it's been fine. And, you know, just going to the places where you really need to go and and if you don't have to go you know you stay home you know stay home and, and, and you guys wine. being yeah and you guys being <laughs> creatives it's like if you can't go outside like huh i could do something else in my time to occupy my mind maybe think of a new song you know for you tommy you know write up a cool new riff or something you know practice a solo or two right oh absolutely i mean you have to i think use the use any time that you have to try to be as creative as you can and um that's i would do that uh a lot of times when i was at work i would i would write riffs and stuff if i if i didn't have my guitar i'll just hum it into my phone and so now with having that time i try to like balance it between doing like guitar studying in terms of like you know just chords and just stuff like that, just keep the brain, you know, working. And then, you know, creative where it's just a free for all where I just make up, you know, different stuff that that I want to use for, you know, new songs for us and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, I'm lucky enough that um, Tommy has sent me already a bunch of riffs that uh, we've been working on. So I've been writing to those. And then I also write poetry. So I've had a lot of time to like write and like maybe perfect songs more than I would on a regular basis. All you have is time. You know, there's no excuses now. Yeah. <laughs> so right, this, um, right, right. You're absolutely right. This uh, brand new EP, Victory, it's coming out in June. And it seems to me, just by going through the lyrics, it looks like it's like a story of, of perseverance because Rock Bottom is essentially like you're, you're drowning sorrows through alcohol and then victory. It's like you're overcoming the sorrows of rock bottom. What's the idea behind these tunes? Yeah, that's basically, you summed it up pretty well. It's just like rock bottom is just like, it. you, you think it's all over. You're just like, whatever, my life's fucked up. 
I'm just gonna let myself uh, drown in this. I'm gonna let myself experience this bullshit. And then um, victory is kind of like, well, now that I've done that, now I can come out stronger, uh, more victorious, if you will say, and, you know, <laughs> and better than ever. And also, like, you kind of, the way victory is sung as well is, like, not super perfect. And I think um, accepting that that um, you might hit rock bottom a few times, you're always going to come out victorious. Are these songs kind of part of um, a larger narrative that may be told over a new set of EPs or possibly a full-length album? I'm sorry, what'd you say again? Sorry. Oh, no, I said, like, are these songs, Victory and Rock Bottom, are they part of, like, a larger narrative that are going to be told throughout a new set of EPs or possibly a debut album? Well, I know we're, like, right now we're, like, hopefully working on new material for an album. Um, and Victory and EP were kind of written along with another set of songs that we were working on for another EP. And they just so happen to like really work for the, the times we're living in right now. It's almost as if we didn't use these songs on purpose. Like the universe didn't let us like put these songs out yet. And then now that we have this situation going on, it was like a some seemed like a great idea to actually just put them out there now. So is there something like strategic that you guys are doing, like as far as releasing EP after EP after EP, instead of just a full length album, it's almost like the, the all killer, no filler approach. Is that it? Do you want to, you know, not have any kind of filler in any album and just have a tight, small collection of songs? What's great about us is I think we we have a large collection of songs already, and it's it's about like putting them together in a way that is like cohesive that you'd want to listen to it all the way through. We kind of don't want to make any filler songs. It's like don't make a song if you're not gonna love it type of thing. So I think um we're like open to the idea of doing full length album. It just has to make sense for us. And the story has to like ride out the right way for us to want to put everything out together like that in a, in a, in a, I guess a more song type of scale. And you did the, the new songs over at Sabella studios. So did you take the trip all the way out to Rosalind from Brooklyn just for their tape machine or what? I took the train I, I, all, all the way to Harlem and then we took like a car and it was a journey. Yeah. I, well, that was, a, you know, that was a great question. Actually, um, with uh, Sabella, I actually uh, linked up with Will uh, when and Matt, when uh, Matt, the bass player, when we, we had our other band, uh, Rare Sun. And he happened to be at one of our, our shows and he really dug my uh, guitar playing and he approached that he, you know, wanted to, for us to come in because he really wanted to, you know, record the guitar. And, and, and so we came and we laid down a couple of tracks with him uh, prior, prior to Love Honey. 
And I really loved, you know, the whole aspect of it because, you know, Will was great at setting thing, everything up and, you know, doing all the mixing and just really just a great studio guy, very knowledgeable about gear and, and, and everything. So he was just great to work with. So even though that particular band, um, you know, faded out, uh, when it was time to, to do something, you know, on tape with this band, it, you know, he came back in my mind because prior to that, we had done some, our previous EPs at some other, uh, you know, some other great studios. And uh, I was always, you know, wanting to, you know, I want to link back up with Will because he was just so great to, to work with and, and, and the vintage gear and stuff like that. So when it came time to do Cruda, um, I, I hit him up and he was, you know, down to record it and, and you know, having that old school tape. And also, you know, that being a place where Public Enemy recorded their first record, it was, you know, a really great experience for us to kind of dive into our first experience with recording on tape. Because, you know, with tape, uh, you you if you make mistakes or stuff like that, you have to live with it. There's not this kind of luxury of of being able to fix everything and post. And I, And for a band like us, I think it was a great challenge, but we took it head on because that's kind of what we embodied anyway even though we had never you know done that before and seeing you guys live is it's almost like you can have someone record there and you can release it and nobody would probably tell the difference between what you're recording what you're doing live because it's it's so like magnetic it's like why isn't this already an album you know oh thank you yeah thank you yeah because we you know like getting back to what you were saying we uh we definitely, you know, me and Allie, we collect albums. So we, that, you know, vinyl. So we love albums, the traditional, you know, platform of, you know, eight to 10 songs. So that's always been a dream of ours to have something on there. But, you know, we have, you have to be honest with, you know, when you're an independent artist and the cost of making things and distributing them yourselves is much more uh, expensive. And so, you know, the EP thing, uh, it was very much stylistic and, and uh, premeditated like Ali spoke of, but also, you know, it, it was cost effective opposed to, you know, being able to record 10 or 11 songs at one time doing three and then just hoping that each time that you release this, you build enough momentum and continue to grow a fan base so that monetarily you will have the money to give people that full, you know, 10 songs as at one time. And like Ali said, we've, you know, we've been cultivating that and crafting it. And for some strange reason, I think victory and rock bottom and in all the songs that we've done thus far, they, if you put them all together, it's like this one jigsaw puzzle of, of, of these uh, stories that Ali has crafted. So they all flow as, as one uh, for, for some awesome reason, I think. Yeah. I mean, would, would you definitely say that, recording out on Long Island is less stimulate, not less overstimulating than the distractions and the noise of Brooklyn. Uh, in terms of, uh, that it, that it's more relaxing to go out there. You're saying? Yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One, one, I mean, 1000%. I mean, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Anytime you can like leave, you know, wherever you're accustomed to and go somewhere different and, you know, go to a place that, uh, 
you know, an adventure, you know, or if it's like a road trip or something for the band and, and just to go to a place where you know this is where you're going to be recording and, and, and it's out of the, you know, out of the norm from everything else. I think that's great, at least for us. I know, you know, some, some people may like more of the kind of traditional or let, let me say like uh, the stuff that's in the city, but uh, we like going out, you know, far out and, and going somewhere that's, that's a little, you know, hard for people to get to. Yeah, and it's quieter, so we're the only ones making noise at that point. Mm, yeah. Yeah, Long Island is very, you know, you can kind of exhale mentally. You know, you can stretch totally. out a little bit. Absol- absolutely. Even just going outside, when we go outside from the studio, just to take a you know deep breath of air, and, and it feels good because, you know, the trees are out there, so you're getting all the oxygen and, and the birds and stuff like that. So, you know, that type of stuff is, is really, you know, soothing to me because I'm really I really love like nature so I like any type of way where you can uh, escape you know just all the loudness of of just the city and stuff like that even though I love that stuff too but I'm more geared towards you know you know uh, a more of a nature guy I guess yeah it almost sounds like call me was recorded out in nature because that's like the most <laughs> calm and tranquil set of tunes that you you've put out you know oh yeah i mean that's that's a uh, that that's that's a really uh that was a fun uh record that we that we did um really was it was it was really cool for us because we had just come i'll let ali you know elaborate a little bit more but we had just come from doing something you know aggressive and we said we we want to do something that showcases how great Alec can sing, you know, not that what she was doing before wasn't singing, you know, obviously, but in terms of like, you know, really smooth, soulful, throwback R&B singing and and that, you know, she's can do that, you know, at at just the highest of a level, in my opinion, you know. Yeah, I I have a love of of so many different genres of music and I like to, um, I guess, dip my toes into everything if i can dip, you know what i'm dip, saying dip my toes hey oh he's laughing because i don't like feet at all and i use the toe <laughs> i'm squirming as i'm saying it anyways but yeah like i really love like old school r&b and soul and like the whole like motown um thing i was listening to a lot of supremes and and i think that's how i ended up uh writing call me like uh, the, they Tommy sent me the riff and 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 when I was writing it, I, I just kept thinking about Diana Ross and uh, how she how she would probably write that song and um and and that, and then I went with it. Yeah, that record is just like Ali saying, "Guys, I can sing too. Yeah, I can scream, but I got some vocal <laughs> chops on me too." Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it was awesome. We you know we got some more in the pocket lined up like that for this new uh, set of songs where uh, Ali is is crooning and doing and, and laying it, laying down some really smooth stuff, and uh, and and it has more musically. It's probably maybe seventies R and B or more, or you know seventies kind of R and B ish 
type stuff. What whatever type of weird, I don't whatever weird bag that uh, that I'm in at that moment on the guitar. <laughs> I can't, <laughs> but it but it's coming out pretty cool, you know. Because the influence might be something totally different than what we end up getting. I might be listening to T Rex and then give our and then give Allie like uh, a song that sounds like it came out of stacks, you know. So it's always fun, you know. Yeah, and that particular uh, project was kind of uh, a good direction for you too, Tommy, because, you know, you're a shredder and, you know, th that record has, you know, a different kind of way of guitar playing. It's, you know, more subtle, soulful, like you said, and kind of easy on the ear. It's not like your aggressive stuff isn't, but, you know, when you're taking a nice long drive on Long Island, you put Call Me on, you kind of feel at peace a little bit. Ah, yeah, thank you, yeah. Because that's, you know, that's the music that I grew up on from my father, you know, you know, so... My dad always plays nothing but smooth R&B music and jazz music. So that was always something that I listened to. And, you know, I just happened to be into like, you know, the aggressive 60s rock and stuff like that. But, you know, growing up as a kid, my dad playing Curtis Mayfield and uh, hearing the impressions and then hearing Curtis solo and then hearing all the good R&B out of the 70s, I was able to, I, I would always like listen to the guitar and see how with that less is so much more and just having a really good clean tone and, and tremolo, tremolo guitar and just try and just laying down, you know, very percussive and spanky type riffs to go along with stuff. So it, it was fun for me. I mean, I love, I love playing guitar, uh, I'm also way. convinced that there's nothing you can't do. <laughs> oh, thanks, <laughs> thanks. I say the same for I say the same for Allie. But yeah, Allie and I love that type of music. It's it's funny that that uh, you know, on our live set, re our recent live sets, we've we we've kind of left that, and you know, people a lot of people are getting mad at us. So we're 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 telling all of our fans that songs like Beauty and the Struggle, Together, and Call Me, those will come back into the set very very soon we might even freak people out and just do an r&b set one night and say f it man this is what you're gonna get <laughs> you know uh, definitely because i have a lot of people that maybe they're not so into the like rock stuff um but they love the r&b stuff like my sisters personally like they're not really into rock music so but they really love like all of our like slow jams and our like more smoother tone music I want to talk about your. Oh, <laughs> 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 well said. You know, <laughs> maybe your your more smoother songs will help others get pregnant in the. We're helping others procreate. Let's go! Let's go! <laughs> uh, I want to talk. I want to touch upon your Arlene's Grocery residency and uh, the series of shows that you did at Rockwood Musical. I'm not sure if that was residency too, but you did do. Uh, a number of shows there. Uh, what is the value of playing in the same venue consecutively in your hometown? Uh, well, I, for for me, definitely uh, from a sound aspect of it, it's great that you know exactly how you're going to sound when you go in there. Because you know, as a guitar player, you 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 learn that different venues and the different sizes and how those things are going to sound and a lot lots of times especially for a band like us that's actually very that's a loud it's a big sounding band 
you actually have to master the the art of condensing that in a way where you can still be be huge and so it's almost uh you have to turn down in order to be more powerful because if you're just super up loud then it's not going to come through clear because of the because of the space so you know getting to play those uh, venues and setting up getting the sound you know right it might not have happened maybe the first show or it might it might have come close but then by the time now you play the second time you're like oh man this is it this is sounds really great i love the way this is the way the amp is going to be set up and uh it allows you to really be consistent with uh giving people uh, you know the way that you want to you know you know present the music so you know and, and i know ali feels has her you know reasons but you know that those are just my personal favorites of being able to you know have a good sound each time we play yeah i agree with tommy same um, as long as i can hear myself and i i really like those places like you able to like build a relationship with the people that work there and stuff and they remember you uh and the 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 crowds were always awesome and the space is always awesome just the way it's like decorated and set up yeah, yeah absolutely. Those places. Yeah, good, good, really good people at both venues. Great, great sound technicians, great staff, great bartenders and stuff. And and that's you know, that's actually you know truthful coming from us because there are some places that I won't mention that aren't like that. So so to have those two venues, you know, make sure that they always treat the the, the acts really good and treat the staff uh, you know well and and warm. That's something that you you remember because, you know, at least Allie and I, because we, we take that very seriously, seriously, because we actually go to venues and we tip the sound person. We give, you know, we give them something extra because a lot of times these guys sometimes don't want to be there or they don't feel like they're being acknowledged. So we appreciate it. Yeah. Make, yeah. So let's make sure we, we tighten them up a little bit to know, hey, you know this is what's going to happen. So if we're a little anal about making sure we have the right sound on Allie's voice, they, they, they know, okay, these guys, I'm going to take care of them a little better and, you know, and stuff like that. So at the end of the day, we just want to put on a really great show. And in order for us to do that, we have to make sure that we are, um, you know, anal about the way our sound is. We, 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 you know, we've played shows where we can't hear ourselves and people are like, oh, but you guys sounded great. But at the end of the day, if we, if, if we feel like it's not going well, it's like a little bit hard to play the show, not knowing whether or not it's it's going well. Yeah, man, because it's now you're just like, and now it's just, it's all muscle memory. So there's been some, not at those venues that you that you mentioned, uh, Pete, but- uh, Not at uh, those. But we had some ones where, where Allie was like, oh man, I couldn't hear myself. And, and, and could you hear me? And I was like, yeah, I could hear you, but she couldn't hear herself or vice versa. And now it kind of kills the energy and that we, that we want to give. And people may still love the show, but we want to, I know when I can hear her, it makes everything 10 times better because now it's like, you know, I'm feeling the same intensity that the audience is getting. You know what I mean? So we definitely feed off each other. So, you know, at least we could still see each other when we couldn't hear each other. <laughs> yeah. If the sound is good, I'm able to leave my body and, and, and get possessed by music. Yeah. I mean, you talk about building relationships and, and you know, building a fan base. 
venue is asking you to do a residency, that's probably very flat flattering, not only to you as people, but you know, to the progression of your band, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, you know, a place wants you to come back and, and come back multiple times, it's, it's super, super flattering. And especially, you know, with a band with, with the type of music that, that, you know, we make, you know, Al and I definitely don't consider it the norm in terms of, you know, because we're definitely like a throwback rock and roll band and, and it's it's less of what we do out right now than it was when it was quote unquote popular. So, you know, and there's not a lot of people doing what we do that look like us. So when, when people embrace it and gravitate towards it, 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 it definitely uh, makes Allie and I feel good and, and reassures us that, you know, it's, you know, the work that we've been putting in is paying off because, you know, people just coming up to us and being like, oh, that was incredible. Or one time we were at Rockwood and some people came way from Philadelphia just to, mm-hmm. just to see us. And so, you know, and we had never even met them before or anything. Or So those type of things, you know, are very, very humbling. And it's, and, and it's dope, man, because it's like, man, who... Who knew someone would do that? Now, Allie and I would do that for a band that we love, but we, you know, we have. You never think, right? You know, but you never think that somebody would actually take that time to make a trip out of that whole day. It, that's, you know, you're going to be the main event in that person's, you know, in their, you know, for their night or whatever. And that's pretty cool, you know? You know, speaking of things that are very, you know, flattering and again, building relationships with, your venue and vice versa. Arlene's Grocery put out three cocktails in your honor. So how does that feel? <laughs> Feels yeah. like I need a drink. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that was that was. You must have took the bartenders very well. <laughs> I hope we did. I hope we did. In fact, though, no, it was so funny. I think they tried to charge us. For your own drink? Yes, they they did. I think they tried to charge us. I said, I know you ain't trying to charge us for our own, for the drink. Do I need to show you some identification? (laughs) Yeah. I think I I couldn't, I I asked for one of the drinks and the the lady was like, yes, it's going to be blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I just got (laughs) off the stage. You know it, right? And she's like, oh, oh, I I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. (laughs) Maybe Ben Franklin would change your mind. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. But that was with all, with all jokes aside, man. It was, it was dope that uh, that that came about, and uh, it was really cool, man. Because it was done tastefully. Because they, no pun intended, they really uh, wanted each one needed represented, you know, a different flavor and a different vibe, you know. And that's kind of what we bring, you know, to the table musically. So, you know, we. We never would have thought that would have happened, and it probably definitely has to be the first for a New York band to to uh, on to have something like that at that venue. So it was, it, and they sold out too. And kind of like and, joining forces with like um, sponsors, because I think that was with like Sailor Jerry's, and then I think we also had a Red and, Bull. Right, um, and Red Bull, right? Red Bull came aboard and stuff like that. So and then we had this y'all. company. Look yeah, we y'all. had this company <laughs> that created. Um, some stirrers for us and the the top of the stirrer was a a cassette tape man 
those yeah. we were giving them shits away because they were gone by the time i went to go get one for myself it was gone yeah and i and it's so I, and you know what i i don't even think i tried all the drinks because when we play shows i'll just have Allie just get me one one drink just to have on stage and i knew that those were going to be strong and and i can't play guitar uh even slightly inebriated like i, I just can't like, I, don't ha- I don't have i don't have any speed or anything whereas i guess you know some people they can play they could be wasted or play and still do their thing but i i can't play and and i drive most of the time too to like you know i'm the designated driver of the band so i never drink beyond like one drink so i was definitely jealous because the band did say that the drinks were really 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 good i think i might have tasted like a sip of somebody's drink of just the taste probably of it. yeah yeah i could play like slightly inebriated i think i think oh, that she, she, oh she could get down and do it if she wants to but she she's she, she i got it night where she was the <laughs> lizard queen where she i was, got in trouble a few was, times and had to rethink my position <laughs> at the bar yeah. before shows yeah she was definitely in her jim morrison uh vibe that night wow it was, it was, it was here's pretty, the thing it was pretty it was pretty epic man I tell you, here's the thing i'm west indian and puerto rican so both of those like different uh scenarios of of my background when they get drunk they get busy and that's <laughs> <laughs> that's so true yeah, and and she was, man. You would have thought this lady was seven feet tall the way she was cutting a fool on stage, man. It was. I'm it was, from East New York. It was it was a it was a trip, but it was it was it's fun. And you know what's so funny, Pete? Though you, you know, not for nothing. You need those nights sometimes as a as a performer. You need to like know how far you can put the gas. On, a, on and then you know where you need to be, where you're gonna feel comfortable, you know. So you know, and, and sometimes you got to take it, push it to the max, and then you say, okay, well, I'm more comfortable at this speed. And because in the, in the day, in the end, like Mick said, is only rock and roll, you know. And I like it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. What was it like performing with DMC over at House of Yes? Oh man! Shout out to DMC. That was a uh, that was great. Uh, you know, what was awesome about something like that was, uh, really, really cool because, you know, I, I knew about Run DMC before, you know, I knew about Aerosmith, you know, but when, you know, when they were popular and stuff like that, I was probably, you know, a, a baby, but everyone knew who they were. So probably by the time that I started listening to them, it was you know, they were already, you know, they were already legends at that particular time. And then it's funny how when I got into guitar, uh, I started getting into Aerosmith. So, you know, it's, a, it's amazing kind of how that came full circle, you know, learning guitar, you know, you know, and listening to the first three Aerosmith records and then to end up playing one of one of those songs, which actually, because Walk This Way, propelled Aerosmith back into, you know, mainstream. And so DMC, man, you know, to meet somebody that's on that uh, Beatle uh, level and the guy was just humble, nice, Definitely. and just super down to earth. It just shows Ali and I that, you know, you can reach a level that probably other musicians and artists 
aren't going to be able to even come close to reach, but you can still just be a regular uh, Joe and, and, you know, treat people with respect and shit like that. So it was, it, it, it was really cool, man. And I didn't know it was going to happen that fast in terms of meeting him and then having to learn the song within like a few days. And, and, uh, I wasn't Allie even was, supposed to perform. Yeah, right. She wasn't even supposed to perform, but we always do everything together. So we just we, we walked to the venue from my job and 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 you know, I guess it was like sound check or something, right, Allie? And then that's yeah. when I, I, I introduced uh DMC to Allie and I let Allie take it from there. Yeah, and um we were doing like sound check and then he just uh walked up to me and asked me if I wanted to sing uh the chorus. Uh, to the song for the performance and I was like well yeah who's gonna say no to that <laughs> right right and it was it was the only part that I did have one moment though where I was like wait what are the lyrics to the chorus again and Tommy just looked at me like you a damn fool <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you gotta, yeah this is like yeah, see, what's, and that's what's so, uh, you know, that just shows the power of DMC, you know, and Run DMC is because, like, that's that song Walk is, you know, it's people who don't even like rock and roll music that know that song. It's people that mm-hmm. don't even know rap that, that know. It's just like one of those, those iconic type songs. The only thing that part about it that sucked for me personally was uh, right when the first solo is supposed to come on the guy that was doing the the steven tyler part he stepped on my cord man and pulled it out and like i couldn't hear anything and then and then well no one could hear anything and then he's like oh no i'm sorry dude and then he and then he pulled it back in putting you know plugged the cord back in because i saw when he was walking around stage i was like oh man this guy doesn't he doesn't seem like he knows where things are and i was like damn this is and he sure enough Soon as I was like, soon as the solo part, the first solo, because the song has like, like three solos or whatever. But um, I made up for it at at, at the end, and, and I kept, you know, I kept a cool face the whole time because it's happened before, you know, with with stuff. But uh, it was fun. I was like, no, I was like, God damn it, man, this is the moment. Don't ruin my moment. <laughs> yeah, I think I wasn't even supposed to be walking around the stage. They told me to stay in one spot. Yeah, they told and, her to stay there because she had like a mark where she was supposed to be. And, and, she said, stand right here. <laughs> and I was like, I can't, can't do that. Can't no, man, do she it. Was about the stage dive. That's why, like, if that guy would have just stayed in his mark where he was supposed to be, but he got caught in the moment, man. He was feeling himself, man. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a vibe, as the kids say. You know, so. <laughs> How did you get in, uh, introduced to DMC? How did you get this opportunity? Yeah, so the, the spot where I work, uh, the sweatshop uh, rehearsal studio in Brooklyn, uh, you know, so many different people come in there, you know, and he happened to come in there because there's a cool girl, uh, Edgy Dean, that was performing. She was the the headliner for that night at the at the House of Yes, and they did a song together. So. And she was always cool. She would come in. We always talk and everything. She's super sweet. And she she's a solo artist, so she triggers all of her stuff with like a looper, and she plays everything herself and stuff like that. So, so when I would see her, I always just would bring her to the room and come back, and that would be it because she would always just perform by herself. But that day, 
she she had let me she let me knew that day that other people were going to be coming through just and just to kind of direct them to the room like another singer and probably somebody else or something and so i'm just sitting in in the chair and the door opens up in the office and dmc just walks in there and i'm like whoa this is crazy and it's just opened the door and uh it was so funny that day too i happened to have my like run dmc black fedora on and I and it, and we was laughing. I say, man, this is you the reason why I wear this. And we and and he came to see her. So he said, you know, come by the room. You know, come. You know, just come. You know, come through. So I came through to set up the mics and stuff like that. And then he, we started chatting. And then he was asking me that I like do acting or stuff like that. And I was like, yeah. I was like, no, I haven't. I haven't done anything uh, like that in a, in a while because he was saying that his original uh, manager that managed them. He said, "Like, man, you really remind me and look like him. And 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 we're gonna do a movie. They're gonna do the biopic on us. And you might be good to play our original manager or stuff like that." So I said, "You know, cool, man." But then, uh, and so the the so Edgy was like, "Well, you know, he you know he plays guitar. You know, he plays he plays guitar." And he's like, "Oh, you play guitar?" And I was like, "Yeah." I said, "Yeah, that's what I do. You know, professionally." And He's like, we need somebody to play. Could you play the guitar part on this? And so I went back in the office and now went back in the office, just went and grabbed my guitar, tuned it up and just showed him, you know, did did something on the guitar, you know, really like a did some like a riff or a solo or something and then and then played it. And he was like, oh, man, this is awesome. He said, if you want it, the thing, let's do it. And it was just like that. So then, you know, we got the contact information. So that was really uh, great that uh, Edgy, uh, she she made that happen because it was their single, and that they were performing, but they was doing separate sets. So so DMC would do a bunch of his classics, like a, l- a little medley of his classics, and then in the end they would do Walk This Way and and have you know just something fun to do. So that's how it, it came about, and uh, it was it was really cool, man. Would you guys be open to doing like a rap rock collaboration similar to that of Walk This Way? Oh, totally. I, I, yeah. I totally wow. for stuff like that. Um, I, I grew up listening to hip hop and R&B mostly because um, that's just what everyone around me in school and stuff is listening to. So I'm, I'm, I've always been a fan of those like rock and hip-hop collaboration type of things yeah no no doubt i I think uh for me personally if you know if if i could if i could have my choice of something like that i I would lean i would lean towards something in the vein of like how the roots where they're like a live band and they have kind of soulful beats like r&b stuff stuff yeah stuff like that you know that would be more something that i could see you know, like, you know, something like with Common or, you know, stuff or something like with Kendrick, you know, something cool like that, where where the music would just basically sound almost like a soul sample, but it has, you know, a live, a live band to it. Because, but though, you know, because, because I was never into kind of like the Limp biscuit type stuff or oh yeah, that, <laughs> that was, you know what I mean? And, and when you hear like rap rock, you know, people just go to like, they might go to that now. I will say this though, I did. I dug uh, Lincoln Park. I thought they were dope. 
I really love Linkin Park, and I was I was a huge, huge Deftones fan, and I I love Rage Against the Machine. So yeah, right. See, like these are like you know, and and I also really uh, loved Ice T's Body Count, and so so and that and that's super gnarly metal. Yeah, you know that's like super gnarly metal, but you know so. I, I, that type of stuff would always be cool. So you know, it's it's all about like it's got to flow and 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 be dope. And that, and you think of walk this way. That's just a really cool funky beat. Because the, the the Run DMC they used to have a lot of their first records. They they sampled a lot of rock. In fact, uh, you know, it wasn't Ice T was the first person, first rapper to sample Black Sabbath. So you know, which is a big influence on on Allie and me. We love Black Sabbath. So you yep. know, I, I've always you know, when it's done right, it, it always, it works, you know? Yeah, we have to What's work. Your favorite? Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Ali. What did you say? I, it cut off. You say? I couldn't oh, no, I just said, go ahead, Ali. I think she was about to say oh. something, and I cut her off. Oh, no, no, I'm good. Yeah, I was just saying, we have to, like, definitely work out for us. Right. What's your favorite Sabbath album? Okay. Uh, I like Masters of Reality a lot. Matt Matt bought me the the vinyl and and I and I would listen to it on the internet, but then it's like nothing <laughs> like listening to something on vinyl and hearing that crackly sound. Okay, yeah, I so she's definitely in the the same hotbed as me, but I really love the first. I really love the first record uh, the most for me, just because it's it just has more of the blues based riffs and the kind of it's, it really ha- is, is leaning towards that kind of like Holland Wolf feel with a lot of the, with a lot of the riffs. So the first record to me, I would say that's my uh, favorite record. And, and uh, Ozzy's playing some cool harmonica on there, which he doesn't do anymore. He only, that's the only album there he plays harmonica. So uh, unless, unless I'm wrong, someone will, you know, let me know, you know, Chris, I, I now stand corrected, but, uh, for me, is the is the debut record. I always say Masters of Reality because, like, sweet the 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 when Sweet Leaf comes on and 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 it's just like yeah, that shit. I love that. Sounded like you're choking on your coffee. Um, I don't know. There was something about that 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 drew me into that album. It was just like, was this an accident? <laughs> I love the 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 title track off the first album because like Ozzy's like screaming for help it's like he's getting like attacked by a demon or something like in that. the oh yeah. in the, uh, the the song black sabbath right off the first yeah. album yeah. i love i love that song yeah but my favorite true. album is probably volume four. Oh wow okay that's the that's the one that has uh ozzy on there he's throwing up like the peace signs right yeah yeah that's it, that's it. yeah okay nice nice that's the album where i say he looks like stevie nicks Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I think I think what's so funny about she 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 does is that like you can see with each album the level of drugs that were being used on each album and the degree <laughs> of, of drugs. I mean, Ozzy wrote a song about cocaine on Volume yeah. Four, you know? Yeah, right. That has like Snowblind, right? That's it. Does that yep. Snow- ah, yeah, it has Snowblind on there, so you could kind of because it's it's amazing though. You know, Ali's a, a you know being a, a lyricist and a, and a writer. Uh, 
the lyrics, man, that are in those like very the first like three Black Sabbath albums, man, that's some really, really great lyrics that are being put down and you know, in terms Absolutely. of just really incredible, man. You you got everything from like the war in Vietnam to like, you know, to like you were saying about the paranoia and like all this type of stuff that really wasn't being done at that particular time on that type of a heavy level. And, and you know, really, like I said, you know, it's really blues based uh, music that was kind of just put on like that really dark. And I, I, and I really like how simple and dark you know, yeah. you you can see everything. Like when you hear like the rain coming down in 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 the, in the in on that first record, it's like, man, this is really cool. It's painting like this really creepy, like almost like Nosferatu type. It's lurking music. Yeah, right. There yeah. you go, Allie. Like you know, <laughs> it's a horror movie on wax. That that's how yeah. Black Sabbath. That's all it is. Yeah, Abs- and it kind of absolutely. paved the way to what what the Misfits was doing. You know, Black Sabbath is a pretty monumental group, and when you look at you know, yeah, it's very blues based because those doom riffs, what will become doom metal, it's all from the blues. That's all it is. Yeah, it's it's just it's incredible because like Masters of Reality is like the first record to have drop C uh, tuning on it. So those you know, which became now like the, you know a popular and uh, you know metal tuning, but so it just shows you this how you know ahead of the t- time that uh, Tony was on the guitar just to give you know these dark monster type riffs man and for that to be coming out of a guy too that had a disability you know showing people this is that that's not going to stop me from playing guitar so that was that alone is it should be inspiring to any guitar player praise tony iomi that's what Mm -hmm. i (laughs) said yes man and 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 a lover of the sg so and, and that's and that's uh, one of the primary, one of my pr- primary uh, used guitars. So, and and so, uh, anybody that can play the SG like that, I always, I always like it. I want to talk about the Love Honey, like Sonic Evolution. You know, what do you think is your best EP so far, from Devil Woman all the way to now to Victory? Damn, damn. Oh I'm man. A, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Allie drown herself for first before I answer this. Ah shit, man. Um, I can't, I can't do it because I, uh, I you can't. gotta do it. Don't do them like this. You gotta do it. He put God you on the spot. It's so sad because there's like songs that I love from every single one of them. Like, I feel like they can hear me. And what if one of the, like one of our EPs gets mad at me and won't play on Spotify anymore? <laughs> No. I will I, say though, I just based on the making of it and uh, how one of the songs were written, I will say "Cruda" is 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 one of my most favorite EPs um, that we have, and that's just on the basis of uh, how we wrote it and and where we recorded it and the whole process of of. of how that album, um, how that EP was was made. Um, I'll say crude. Okay. Uh, definitely for me, sound wise, uh, crude. Definitely for me, sound wise, uh, crude. And then after that, it's close between 
dig this and call me. But uh, sound-wise, I think we sound, it was a we were able to capture what we do the best on Cruda. Only thing I wish we would have been able to have to, to utilize the same uh, techniques. Like, I wish we could have came to uh, Sabella to do, like, everything. call me. Everything. You know what I mean? Everything. Everything. But, you know, everything everything happens for a reason. And the places where we did record were amazing uh, studios. You know, at Punchbug, that was, that was great because it kind of helped us a lot to, because... What I love about that and Jake there, man, a wonderful, another a wonderful producer, wonderful oh, definitely. Uh, en- engineer and stuff. He was able to craft and really help us get the analog sound while while using digital equipment. So I think what, what we were able to do there allowed us to come in Sabella and do, you know, do things, you know, what we had in our head. But, you know, I don't want to uh, uh, bullshit in terms of I got to come up with an answer. So uh, I'm going to say... Well, man, man, cover-wise, my dad looks so cold on Dig This, man. He really does. My dad looked really cool on there. So, but then Allie's mom looks so cool on Devil Woman. Oh, Oh, my God. Let me say say something real quick. And then Allie's on Call Me, man. So, this is crazy. Tom used the the Devil Woman EP pick and put it at his background. Do you know how weird that is on his background on Facebook to have my mom's face and body? I didn't hear you, Allie. What you said? Wow, Allie. Oh shit! Can you Allie, hear me? Wow. Oh, Tom yeah, had, just, had, had a picture of my mom on his background, um, on Facebook. The, <laughs> the Devil Woman EP. He had it on his background, really? and this is the most bizarre thing I ever seen in my life. <laughs> That's flattering. What's, what's wrong yeah. with that? <laughs> All right, yeah. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Cruda because. Cruda's just gnarly. I'm gonna go yeah. with I'm gonna go with that. I'm a, I'm gonna go with that as far as that's gonna be my that's gonna be my final final answer. Though I love them all the best, love them all the best. I think Cruda might be. Now we're gonna put you on the spot. Which one is yours? Oh, it's it's Call Me and Dig This. Both of those oh, okay. two are the ones. Hey. All right, I go back to my whole- yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Tommy. I love the like the soulfulness of Call Me of of call, and um the riffiness of Dig This. Hey, yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah, because I've I've I really love the song uh, Little Mama. That's Me too. Really, That's my favorite that like is, underrated song that we have. I think it's so yeah, un- very underrated. That's the ace. Very underrated. And Allie and I came up with that bridge. At on in practice together because he didn't. We were like, man, we need it. We got to have some sort of bridge for this. And so we were just, we once we came up with it. I think the first time that Tom and Matt actually heard it was when we recorded it because we said, okay, this is how it's gonna be, do doom, do doom, doom, and then we go, and this is gonna be, and then she's gonna, you know, sing some, say some stuff underneath it, and then we was like, and then I was like, I'm gonna have the wah wah on it, and it's gonna sound like a Cadillac. Just think about like a Cadillac. You yeah, know, like a seven, a seventy-two Cadillac, and it's gonna work. You know what I think about when I hear that song, like, uh, Forty Second Street in like the sixties and seventies, just like that at nighttime with all the all the prostitutes and the pimps outside chilling, yeah, and just yeah, driving yeah. past them. That's what yeah, that's yeah. what that song reminds me of. 
Yeah, so, oh, man. so it definitely does. So we, so we were all. That's so funny. We all were like, you know, thinking about the same EPs because you know it's always going to be sentimental with with the uh, with the Devil Woman and and that one. But we learned a lot from making that record as to why we didn't go back to that studio and you know and record future projects. And that's why we did the next two records at at Punchbug, which were which we loved, and we actually did a call me. At, at my job we actually did that like old school really analog kind of uh you know one one shot pony like live inside yeah. of, like the practice inside of like the practice rooms because we wanted to do something kind of like really quick and fun and back to basics and you know call me's really kind of- special it has that dream interlude which i like that's like one of my most favorite parts of Call Me, like I can yeah, just listen to the whole Yeah, let's talk about that song. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about that one. Because because I could tell you, Pete, that how the recording of that was really interesting. Because you know, part of my job is you know resetting the rooms and and making sure stuff is ready to go for for the clients come in. And we have a room there called the piano room. And so one of the mornings, I you know I'm there early before everybody. I just opened up the piano and I just you know just fool around with it. And then I had my phone out with me and I said, Oh, this sounds pretty cool. Let me record this on my phone. So I just recorded it on my phone. The, the, you know, that piece, the chord progression and sent it to Allie. And when we actually recorded it in the studio, uh, we recorded my cell phone into with the mic so we basically just recorded that cell phone recording put a mic next to that and then fed that into you know the console and it even it made it even more kind of crispy and and uh crackly and stuff like that and then Allie you know laid down the uh the vocals on top of it so it was really cool to and that was the first time too that's the only uh record that I'm playing uh piano on out of all of the uh EPs too so, um, Ali, as a fellow Deadweather fan, Sea of Cowards turns 10 this year. So do you think this album ages well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm biased as fuck. <laughs> it's definitely held up. I was going through a box the other day, and I found um, both my uh, Sea of Cowards um, album and... Uh, what was the other one? Whorehound. That was the first Whorehound. I found my CDs that I bought uh, for them. And I kind of miss CDs. Like, there's, like, this the lyrics with the sl- in the sleeves and stuff like that and the pictures. Um, anyways, back to the question. Uh, yeah, I think I think uh, Sea of Cowards has, has held up. I think if they released it today it would still be great and I would still definitely buy it being a fan of all like three of the bands that, that all these other people are in. Watch his cigarette smoke. Get on my shirt. Watch his cigarette. <laughs> I like Get Allison Mozart's <laughs> like, like bipolar writing. That's oh man. That God. song. Uh, well, Allie, what song is that, that I was doing that from what song that song is. I think so that's no gnarly. horse. I think. Yes. Yeah. That's my favorite song that, on that album. That oh riff, God. that riff, and the way her voice sounds. Oh, it's just like I'm like that's that's the one where you like, 
where where I where I just go back. I just like I I gotta I gotta let that run from the top again, and like yeah. it's just perfect like from the from like the verse to like the chorus and you're just like and she's just howling and huffing and it's just like damn this is really good man i'm like damn man I, that that one is yeah, that i love that one great. man i love i i, can, those are, I can't hear you that's one of the I, very I few you. albums it's, it's that i can listen to from beginning to the end yeah really yeah good. absolutely like dead weather is just man like outside of the white stripes, like that's my favorite Jack White project. The the, oh, the white sure. stripes, it's, it's oh for... definitely. Yeah, I was super inspired yeah. by mm-hmm. the white stripes. Just their aesthetic is kind of like their aesthetic made you pay attention to them, and the the music made you stay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So lastly, I don't want to hold you guys up. Um, do oh, you... we got time? We having fun? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, likewise, do you ever have to explain? why you play rock music as people of color. Because I know for me, people always ask me since early college, late high school, why do you, how did you get into like, why do you like this group? I don't understand. Mm. It's like, you know what I mean? Mm. Oh, absolutely. I I definitely do because I went to school in Bushwick. (laughs) And, um, you know, everybody listens to, for the most part, everyone I grew up with listens to hip hop and R&B. And I... When I was in high school, I was, you know, I was into all of that stuff. And, um, you know, I had a couple door knocker earrings here and there. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that was my vibe. And then, you know, I, I I was always listening to different music growing up because my mom and my dad had, had like, had tons of CDs. And we just, my dad loved music so much. So he introduced me to a whole bunch of different artists that I, I couldn't talk to any of my friends in school about they didn't know what the hell I was talking about and then I was also you know into all the stuff that my my peer groups were into um and so now when they anybody from high school sees me on social media they're just like oh you a rap star now since when (laughs) it's one of those things yeah I mean um well in high when I was in high school though I I was I didn't I didn't I didn't find like uh rock music out until I was like in film school. So and but in high school, you know, everything like Ali was saying was like uh hip hop and and uh R&B driven or not really to me it's see I, I'm a little kind of like different about what what I consider R&B. So a lot of the, like the hip hop that was the hip hop or the stuff that was being called R&B when I was in high school to me it was just like rap it was the same type of thing because you know again i grew up none of the music with them dancing in the rain you didn't yeah right because my you know i grew up my dad playing temptations oldest red and marvin Gaye and stuff like that so the part though that i did like about hip-hop was that i knew every single sample and 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 i was always able to impress my different friends or different people who were into into that because i knew the original song because my dad had played all those records so that was at the time when most of the rap was all like r&b loops so i was never the guy that was into rap honestly like only for like a certain i was only really the only rap that i liked when i was in school was like conscious rap so it was like most deaf you know common you know the roots and and stuff like that and like old old iced tea and stuff like that so i was never really into like the current 
current stuff, but I but I respected it and I knew where it, I knew you know where it came from. So as I got older and got into doing rock and stuff like that, I never had no one never really raised any eyebrows or or was really kind of like no one ever really questioned me what I was doing. I guess be, probably because I guess I had like uh jimmy shining down on me from heaven just like giving giving people hey look man this guy looks too cool he knows what he's doing (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean so but i've always though wanted to educate myself because i knew that i was going to be like probably the only person that looked like me doing that until obviously until i met Allie, but just in general so i would always like look up there who who are people that do this that look like me because I know it has to be more than just Lenny Kravitz and and like Jimi Hendrix. So yeah, I I went into the vaults and, and vaults rather and started like studying and finding out about like the first black rock band like Black Murder from from Detroit. And then I found out about Def, the first black punk band, which actually like if you listen to their first record that they had shelved in a vault it sounds like the Ramones before the Ramones even came out. And then, you know, Bad Brains and all that. And then the, and my favorite rock artist still to this day is Arthur Lee of Love, who, again, was really tight with Jimi Hendrix and everything like that. And was just like a pioneer of all that stuff. So that gave me like confidence, just knowing that I knew all of these great, you know, artists of color that did what they did and, and, it was just because when I just meet somebody and all they know is just Jimi Hendrix, I'm like, well, you not it's this is so much more complex. You know, yeah. he had people he had people that he idolized and stuff like that. And so I think that's kind of like the box that they that sometimes people might want to put me and Allie in is that like, oh, oh, you know, like uh, Zoe Kravitz or or you're like Gary Clark Jr. or stuff like that. And, and <laughs> And it's like, and it's like you know, and I think that comes from a place really just of not intentionally being bad, but it's just lack of information. Like if all you know, to, if all you're seeing in the media is this one person, so now you're going to associate everything with that person. But if you honestly knew that we were complex and that there's way there's so many artists of color that Allie and I draw from that we send each other and that we put each other onto that most people might not know like most most people might not know who Arthur Lee is most a lot of people don't know about death or about black murder or about you know a, a lot of this stuff but it's it's our job to educate ourselves so that we can educate people and be like well you know we know the history of rock and roll and it's a it's it's so wide and it's it's so many different uh trailblazers that don't even get uh you know mentioned even like Mickey and and Sylvia was a, was a uh a, a black uh rock and roll duo and she was a ph- phenomenal guitar player but ended up being like the godmother of hip hop which 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 was she was responsible for uh rapper's delight so and people don't even know that she was in a rock band prior to basically laying down the blueprint for uh hip hop. But these are things that I that I pride myself on like kind of knowing yeah. so that so that if people if we ever have a conversation and people 
like you know do that and say oh you know you're just like this guy well no i'm really not like this guy and that guy that you're saying that i'm like is not like the person you're saying he's like yeah you know what i mean because because you know so yeah. i guess for a long hopefully, time yeah, hopefully like, that makes sense the <laughs> only person like the woman of color that i was just like running around like i felt like i had a connection to um was tina turner and then Tommy put me on a Betty Davis, and I was like, "Oh, shit. so much like yeah, personality." I'm sorry. Sister Rosetta Tharp, you know about her? Yeah, I know Sister Rosetta Tharp. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man, so we can't I talk about I, I this. Never mind. Yeah, I took. I we better. Hey, girl, bring it. This is no filter. He said no filter. <laughs> Don't hide. Come on. You know, there was she like is, a, a point where we were uh, recording with uh, at a. Spot and 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 this person uh, who was recording us had like zero knowledge of rock music or you know, people of color and rock and zero we had zero we had, bro we zero. had brought up bro, Sister Rosetta um, Tharp and and this person was just not receptive to what we were saying and then we realized oh you don't know who the fuck we're talking about. Right. You don't, you're right. Right. You have no you have no knowledge of she was like, well, did you know that that uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix was uh, was with the Isley brothers? And I was like, yeah, he was also with Little Richard. He was also with Wilson Pickett. He was also with Ike and Tina Turner. So it's like and it was like looking at us with these eyes of who are these people you speak of right who are these like when i remember when we went out to nashville that was one of the first places that i took ally but it was closed but she could see the 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 uh, picture from the outside the wall and it was it was a awesome uh shop that had all these amazing women of rock so it had sister rosetta thorpe and she's holding that awesome three pickup sg guitar and and then it had like joan jett and stuff like that but you know Ali and I, we've always tried to, you know, educate ourselves on just people of color in general and rock. Like we 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 would send each other's pictures and talk about like Jesse Ed Davis, who was Taj Mahal's uh, lead guitar player, and he's an awesome Native American brother that that's a that's doing all the great Telecaster stuff. And Taj Mahal is another person that Ali and I love that doesn't get a lot of recognition today but he was right out there at the same time as as Jimi hendrix he's still alive today so the and this is like a living uh legend that unfortunately you know there's not enough people of color doing what we do so it's hard to keep the torch and the flame going and the, and the information because like what ali and i was saying you got people who who have no information about who these people are and all they know is like Hey, hey, uh, yeah, Jimi Hendrix, yeah, yeah, but it, but then they don't even know albums that he played on or who inspired him or different stuff like that. So it's kind of like, yeah, I see this black guy. Let me just say, hey, you remind me of uh, Jimi Hendrix, and I'm like, <laughs> the first black guy you ever thought of, <laughs> right, right, yeah, like that's like me telling somebody like, oh, you remind me of George Washington, like, 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 like <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. And, and I and I know Ali and I we've talked about it, and I know it's 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 coming from a, a place of initial flattery, and it's like okay, you, you you're saying this, but you know you're saying this, but it's just sometimes it just feels borderline racist to me, like you know in terms of stuff like that when it's like, 
oh, you know, you remind me of Gary Clark Jr. or stuff like that and different stuff like that. And and uh, I know that's not the intent, but it seems as if the person is like totally uneducated in terms of like, let me just think of the first black person that I know play guitar. It's like seeing me with a case, a guitar case and assuming I play bass. Yeah, Not it's true. When people see education. me, they think I sing R&B. They, they're like, oh, you know, there were times when people would tell me like, you should make music like Aaliyah. You should make uh, music like, um, what's this girl's name? Janae Aiko? Did I say her name? Yeah. 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 You know, and that's just like, y'all are saying this because I, I, we probably have like, I have like maybe similar features to these women and it's like no disrespect to them, but that's not... That's not my vibe. That's not what I'm going for. And that's not, I'm an aggressive performer. There's no way I could pull that off anyway. Right. And yeah. we love the people that we speak about. Like I said, Hendrix to me. Yeah, definitely. He's a, god, he, he's a god to me. That's the greatest rock and roll guitar player of all time. They're like am- amazing. And and also, like I said, we both love uh, Gary Clark Jr. He's an amazing talent, a great brother and stuff like that. It's just the idea that like you want to be able to like separate yourself, but we real Ali and I realize because they're like they're so there's only seems like there's just such a limitation to what everyone's able to see. And if there was more bands of color, then you wouldn't get that because you don't see uh, a white dude that's shredding and playing some awesome blues and they say, You remind me of John Mayer. You know, what I mean? <laughs> it just, it just, it, there's like, you're just a fucking dope guitar player. You know what I mean? So it's because there's so many, you know, because there's a lot of white cats that play the guitar. So they're able to like have their own identity without someone immediately, you know, typecasting. Yeah, type, type, typecasting and, and stuff like that. But, you know, we embrace it in terms of, and we don't like argue or get, yeah, we're not like super we, like offended yeah, you know? by it, but right. I do think people you can't, need to you can't be. You know, know? Just put, don't don't you don't have to put me in a box. Just listen to the music, you know. Right, just, you know what yeah. I mean. And listen to it, and 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 I, hopefully, you know, Ali and I we're gonna keep doing this until we're old and gray, and then some people will say, you know what, you remind me of Tommy White, or you remind me of Ali. So they will be down that, for that. You know. So, <laughs> yep. So, so you guys know Benjamin way. Booker. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, definitely, oh, absolutely, man. Pete, you bring Pete, you bring in the heat, man. You making us feel bad. These are people that that Alan uh, and I, Benji's we, so sent vi- we we sent videos to each other of. I remember I I, I put Ali on to Benjamin Booker from the the first time that he uh he came out and um uh, his first two records are just oh, incredible. phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal uh uh records. And again, uh, this is a super dope guy I love his voice very unique sound really really cool and um just really cool man that, that's what I like I liked about that you could hear other influences in his music and it and and the last record man I, I like how he took like a political stance and you could hear that he was you know he wasn't afraid to to write about what you know what was going on and like the same way like how Ali and Cruda the song displacement you know that's about gentrification so you know benjamin is benjamin is is dope and ali what's the other uh idea victoria right ali is that her name idea victoria yeah yeah she's great she's so cute she's cold like she's cold um, and she's very like knowledgeable about 
like the blues and 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 her her background and and, and just the background of, of the music that she plays um she she definitely likes to put she puts her like all the information that she knows or she carries she like puts uh bits of it on her instagram and i i really enjoy um i i enjoy her music a lot yeah and then there's so jackie there's... benson who you guys played with oh we yeah. played with her yeah yeah, yeah. We, we we played we we played with her it I, I personally i i i thought i i liked the playing more than the songs themselves you know, the, the, then the, then the songs themselves. I I I didn't I, I didn't really care for like I I like the playing. She was nice and and technical and really and really good. But it wasn't. I didn't get I didn't get the same feeling that I got from when like I saw Benjamin Booker or when I saw Dia Victoria. Just at least in that in in those sessions of which I saw it. But it was she was she was phenomenal. Played phenomenal stuff like that. But you know me personally speaking from a personal thing i i i dig i dig off of a feel and off of a vibe of a situation and uh i couldn't i couldn't smell it i like to smell it man i got i like i got you gotta you gotta put that stank face on where you're like oh this is nasty you know what i mean like we were talking about dead weather man you put on no horse it's like it's that's like man somebody open a window like, yeah. You know, if I ever meet Jack White, I'm gonna tell him, "Boy, you stink." He better. Stink. <laughs> he can't smell good. He can't. Sm Neither Allison too. They better yeah. be. Oh man. They better oh, be. Oh, totally. Staying, yeah. I would I love to have like a writing session with Allison. Yeah, the stinkier the better. Let's go. Stop yeah. showering know, right? right now. <laughs> yeah. Somebody need to make somebody need because Ali and I we had talked about because I I definitely I wanted to. Uh, do some uh, stuff with uh, Benjamin and uh, produce produce some tracks. Cause I've always, Alan and I always, you get into producer mode. People that we like, we always say, "Oh man, we could write some stuff for them, or we could do some stuff for." Oh yeah, like, definitely. Or, uh, collaborate. Also, I want to shout out to somebody that I always uh, admired and and dug what they were doing. Uh, Cody Chestnut. That was a big influence on me when I started uh, playing uh, guitar, seeing him with the roots and stuff like that, and and, and that was really cool. That was dope. All right, the new single, Victory, coming out June. June what? So June, I guess June twentieth. When you upload this stuff, you tell them a date. Hopefully, it comes out that date, or it might come out a little bit sooner. But it's going to be in that, in that, in that vein of June. We're we're shooting for June twentieth. It may come out a little bit sooner, but maybe just by like a couple of days, you know. Yeah. So like, right. if if anybody wants to check it out, just like stay tuned on our like social media platforms, Love Honey Music on Instagram, and then we'll be able to announce when the exact is. Yeah, man. We're going to try to get everyone some, uh, some like, nice gifts and some stuff, some pins, some victory pins, and maybe some victory tapes and just some some merch and stuff just, uh, for all the people that's been uh, supporting us. We're going to try to send out some goodies once people contact us and, and let us know that they've heard the records, you know? All right, Tommy, Allie, Love Honey, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you so much oh. for having us. Oh, thank you so much, brother. It was a blast, man. Can't wait to do it again. <laughs> <laughs>